All right, grab your Bibles, grab your message notes, get them out, and uh, let's dive in, because I, I am super excited about uh, what the, the message that we have for this uh, seventh year. Isn't that crazy? Seven years. I just I love it. Um, the, uh, this past week, uh, last Sunday, I, uh, I was walking around as service was uh, over. As everybody was kind of almost out of here. We have an amazing dream team that makes services happen every Sunday. Um, but about that time, there's usually about one person left here. Uh, that's Sherry Sawyer. If you know Sherry, she's, she makes sure that everything's put away in, in its right place. She's amazing. And so uh, it was my family, uh, Pastor Corey's family, a few others uh, that were just here uh, finishing up, cleaning up. And um, I, I was going into, the, I went over to the preschool room. And so if, you're, if you've never lived, it, it, let me give you a little insight to the PK life. I grew up a PK. So preacher's kid life. We have some benefits, and then there's some negatives. And anything that you do in life, there's always the positive and the negative. And one of the, one of the things is you just got to kind of get used to being at church. Uh, <laughs> this is where you, like, exist. You, find, you end up finding a good spot to sleep, take your naps. I remember growing up uh, my, when my family had um, guest speakers in, I got really good at sleeping on the, uh, it was Big Boy. You remember Big Boy over here? It's now Hog Heaven. And that, if you go in the back room of, that, of, uh, of Hog Heaven, it's still the same way. They got that long bench in the back. I slept as a young child many hours as my parents talked forever and ever and ever about whatever they adult-wise, the, like it was, oh my goodness. So I spent a lot of time there. I, I learned how to sleep that place. So, so, the, uh, so I was, as we walk around, I, I went to the, the preschool room and I went in and my mother, who was just finishing up, she was actually the, one of the, the preschool teacher that morning and she was finishing up. And in there was uh, little Maddie. I'll, I'll show you a picture. I got this picture. Maddie is in there cleaning. She's got a little wet wipe out, and she's, she's cleaning the, t- the, t- uh, the chairs off and the desk off. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is so adorable. And, um, and she just kind of looked up at me. If you know Maddie, uh, Maddie is actually uh, Pastor Corey's little girl. So they, have, they have two little ones. There's Joshua and Maddie and one on the way. And uh, so they, she's in there. She's, she's in there cleaning. It was so adorable. And I, I was like, so this past week as I was preparing for this message, I kind of went back to this picture, and I was like, why, why is it such a nice, cool, I love this story. Like, there's such a sweet story that she has a servant's heart. She knows what it means to be at church, and to be at church means you serve. That's her mindset. It's not even, it's like, she's not thinking any other way. She has this, hey, I'm part of a church family. Being a part of a church family means I serve. <laughs> and the reason why she's able to live that out is because there's always a story behind the story. So let me, let me go back a little bit and give you the story behind Maddie's story. So how many of you remember this picture? 2012, right after our very first service. And this picture is actually out in the hallway. You can see it. Um, and it's so cool. It's, it's fun to look at. And you can see all the people. Some of you can find yourself in that picture. Because that's exactly what you do when you have a group picture. You look and find yourself, right? So you, some of you are in that picture. You can find yourself and, and, and where you're at there. And, and it, it's, it's a neat picture to look back on. It's kind of, some, some of it's sad because, uh, you know, 40% of them are, are not with us anymore. But that, you know, they, some of them for reasons we don't understand. But some, like there, down here is my, my best friend Matt Calhoun and his wife Rachel. And they came in. They drove down from Akron to help us get launched and get started. And so, of course, they're not here. They actually moved to Columbus. And 
So we're missing part of them, but in this, in this picture is something I want to zoom in on. So if you go ahead. Seven years ago, Pastor Corey needed a haircut. <laughs> so there, it's 2012, and he's there, and you see the guy below him that, in the suit jacket, and he still had hair? Yeah, that's what you guys did to me. I started a church and went bald. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I didn't have much hair then either, but uh, so the, the um, so here it is the story behind the story. No, here's Pastor Corey's story goes back further than this. He he grew up uh, in my uh, his family grazed him uh, at my father's church, and so I've known Corey since he was literally <laughs> Corey. I, one of the first memories I have of Corey is he was about this tall, and literally he was doing this as my dad was preaching. walking around the stand as my dad was preaching. I, and so he was, he's, th- th- he's been around for a while, but I love this because you kind of see where Maddie has a story of knowing how to serve because her daddy knows how to serve. This is before he met his wife. This is 2012. Well, I, they might have been they might have been talking. I don't know all the details there, but 2013, they got engaged. 2014, they got married. And now they're an amazing family. That's an incredible value to our church, but there's a story behind the story, and it's so fun to, to look back, and so I wanted to spend a little time just looking back at our story, because uh, there's some fun, fun stuff in our story. Um, some of you remember, of course, the picture 2012. How many of you remember Midvale Elementary? Oh, my, immediately, like, there's like, ugh. <laughs> there's the trailer, that you can see, there it is, where there's... Uh, unloading the trail. It didn't matter what it was. See here, those of you that don't know the, the backstory, for six years we were portable. For six years we transformed this, it's kind of hard to see, but that's the gym at Midvale Elementary. We had to roll out tarps and the entire gym was covered in uh, curtains. And we, so every Sunday, no matter if it was good weather or great weather, you know, sunny, snow, we set up and we had church. And we had to work to have church. Everything that you see here, all the kids stuff that we have, all of that was in a trailer, backed up to the door, unloaded, set up, and we had church. And because of our dream team, we, man, it was a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of good memories, and thankfully, we don't have to do that anymore. But, but how many of you remember Central Elementary? Oh, Midvale was tough. Central was <laughs> rough. Because uh, here's, a, like, they, that's, it was an older building. So uh, that's the gym. Uh, they had their band was had their set up every Saturday that we went in there. Their their band had set up on the stage, so we had to take a picture of it because when we got done, we had to put it back exactly the way we found it. Every detail, like this is a picture. I have thousands of pictures of the desk in the room because we put them back exactly with the little boxes right back at the same exact spot that we found them in. Because we wanted to honor them and thank the, you know, be respectful of them allowing us to, to go in there. And here's the, the, like our, our that's the, that was preschool. Like, man, it was all a lot. The floor was put in. A lot of work. A lot of work. But we, we had church. There's a, one of our overseers, Pastor Monty, bringing the word there at Central Elementary. Man, it was fun. And then... There's some other stories in our, in our story, kind of one that has like this, Do you remember this picture, go to that next, 
Oh, Jesus. Jesus. I, I have nightmares. I still to this day. Nightmares of this taking place as we, um, I'll, I'll never forget walking in. We, the second week that we bought this building, celebrated, had a church service in here. We had it like, like tent, the, 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 our tabernacle set up. <laughs> we had the tent, the, the, the curtains all the way around here. The second week we came in here, we had put, put in, started putting in that back wall. We had some drywall up. And we, I walked in on a Sunday morning with nine inches of water in here. Ah, oh, Jesus. I, I, I remember walking through there and like through the water, somehow I did not get electrocuted, and uh, I walked through that water going, we, we did, the, God's punishing us, like we, we are Noah, he's trying to flood us out, telling us, just drown it out, you're done, thankfully we had an amazing dream team, Here, here's the cool part, that, that morning that that took place, there was nine inches of water in here, and so I started making phone calls. Hey, I, I, we're not going to be out of church. Um, but as the dream team showed up, instead of finishing the pieces of setting up, we began to get the water out. And six hours later, this place was dry, completely dry. Saved ourselves at least twenty-five, maybe thirty thousand dollars in doing what would have uh, a, a flood remediation uh, company would have cost. We had, I mean, it was crazy. We were going all in all kinds of different directions. It was amazing. It, the Dream Team has done amazing things. And today, we're now, this is not even up to date. The parking lot's been updated. The uh, landscaping's updated. There's all this stuff that's happened. We continue to have a story that is being told. And a story that's now has, includes our kids that already understand what it means to be a part of the church. It's not about coming. It's about serving. And it's beautiful. It's, I, I love this. But, so even as we look at our story and we enjoy it, there's a story behind our story. There's a story that got us to the day that we launched and included uh, my, my dad launching a church when I, when I was six years old and pastoring that for 25 years and it being a part of our launch. And as we started something brand new, it was, it was exciting. But it goes back even further. So if you want to get your message notes out, you can look there right at the top. I want to show you where we are in God's story. And I want to take you back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 14 is where we're going to begin. And let me, let me give you a little context behind Exodus 14. And that we, so the children of Israel had been in slavery. They had, Moses had come back and he told Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh battled back and forth, and he had the plagues, and all that took place, and God demonstrated to them how amazing he was by getting them out of Egypt, and they get to the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, they think they're going to die, and Moses puts the staff over the Red Sea. The Red Sea splits, and they walk across on dry land. They turn around, and they watch as the Egyptians, who are chasing them to bring them back into slavery, are drowned in the Red Sea as it crashes in on them. And they get to the other side, and they have a party. They have a party. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 31. It says, when the people of Israel saw, that the, saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. They had a party. They saw God demonstrate his power. Put that in your notes. God demonstrated his power. And they, they see this happen, and they literally have a party. And what do you do at a party? You get the music bumping, right? 
You gotta, there is no such thing as a party if you don't have music. And that's exactly what they did. Martha begins to lead them in this worship and the song that literally as they, dec- they go through in this worship they, and they talk about God's glory and all his power, then they say in the song, they declare that he is king. They declare to the world that, and that's in the next step there that you see in your notes, there's that he declares, they, they declare that he is their king, that God is king. Put that up there real quick for me. God, God, they, they declare that God as king. And, and what they do, they, they say, they, you can see this in, in Exodus uh, chapter 15, is that then Moses led the people out of, uh, of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. Now, he, here's what you have to understand. When you declare something as king and you say, I'm going to believe it, that means you're really going to believe it. Okay, so I should have warned you about this. Uh, guys, on this section over here, I need to tell you this. Um, um, earlier, I had to bring my, my little dog with me, and uh, when he was in here, uh, he pooped on one of your chairs. And I didn't get a chance to clean it up, so I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to let you know who it is, but one of you is sitting in my dog's poop. Do you believe me? Do they believe me? No, they don't believe me. Because if they believe me, they all be going like this. Right? They all be checking the, the, to see whether they were the one that sat in my dog's poop. It didn't happen. The dog wasn't here and the, didn't sit in any poop. Okay. How many, how many pastors do you know that are going to have the word poop in their sermon? Uh, I should be, I'll do better. No, I won't. Uh, but they... Uh, so th- but when you believe something, if they would have believed me, they would have responded by their actions. So when they see God's power and the glory of God's power, they respond by following Moses, God's servant, and following him to the promised land. See, belief always responds by doing what God has called you to do. This is, you see this right there. Then, uh, so, so when uh, Moses leads them and he, they head out, they, he gets to Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, he gets up to the top, and there's a lot of background here and a lot of context I don't have time to get into, but he gets up to the top, and God gives him what we put in the Bible is called laws or commandments, but really they're teachings. That's what have been the better translation is they are God's teachings to the children of Israel. And so he, they, he receives them, he takes them back to the children of Israel, and this is what he says in Exodus uh, chapter 24, it says, Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice. Let's do it together. You guys ready? Let's be the children of Israel. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. And so they're like, yeah, we're going to do it. We hear what God's telling us to do, and we're going to do it. And then he, they, they set up an altar, and that, that, all that's in your notes there. But then verse 7, it says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Again, he, so the, a second time, they're getting all the commandments that God has given them, all the regulations and teachings that God gave them, and they respond, let's do it together. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. See, th- this is the process. The process is we see God demonstrate his power. We declare him as king, and then we do what he says. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, the first covenant, you understand this. They said it. They believed it. 
They tried, they failed. Over and over and over again. They, they have this desire to do what God has called them to do. They say they're going to do what he, he tells them to do. But in reality, they, they struggle with it. But this is the pattern that God gives us, is that we, it's not a just about seeing God do great things. It's understanding that when he does great things, it's so that he, we can see him as God, and we declare that he is our king. And when if he's our king, we're going to do what he says. Now, that's the, we, we get into this, this place where as, as people in the church, we, we like this salvation part. We like the grace. We like the part where we can say he's king. But then just like the children of Israel, we struggle with this understanding of doing what he says. Not only does he give us this, this process in the Old Testament, he also gives us this in the New Covenant. And in Matthew, Jesus, Matthew chapter 7, in your notes there, let me give you a little context to where we're at in Matthew chapter 7. So Jesus has begun his ministry, and Matthew 7 is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So the teachings, the consolidated teachings that Jesus gave while he was on this earth, is found here by Matthew. But before we get to Matthew chapter se- uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which begins in Matthew chapter 5, how does he get a crowd to listen to him? Listen what it happens in Matthew chapter 4. It says, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted uh, with various diseases, with pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed, uh, and he healed them. And the great crowd followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. (laughs) Okay, this is where the economy of words is brilliant here by Matthew. He says basically the entire country of Israel is now coming to where Jesus is. People from all over are coming to hear Jesus speak. Why? Because they saw him demonstrate God's power. They see it. They see the healing. They see the miracles. They see everything that's happening, and they all say God is doing something through this man. Jesus is demonstrating God's power. In Matthew chapter 7, the end of this Sermon on the Mount, so Jesus teaches, and most of the time, if you hear somebody teach the Sermon on the Mount, they'll tell you that it is uh, prescriptive, meaning that it is something that to be a Christian, you have to do these things. The problem is that it's not how Matthew or Jesus meant for it to be given to us. It is not prescriptive. It is descriptive. What I mean by that is it is not that you do these things to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. You do these things because you are following Jesus. And he gets to the end of all this, of telling them and describing what a follower of Jesus would look like. And then he gets to this verse that has confused me for a while. He says there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. That Lord, Lord means that he is the rabbi that they respect and will listen to. The second Lord means that they are going to follow. Literally saying, you are king. You're the one we're going to follow. Lord, Lord. Both of them are capitalized in your Bible. He says, we will enter, Lord, Lord. uh, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Okay. The verse continues. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. This is, I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm looking at this going, wait a minute. Something's messed up here. He says they didn't do, that they're not going to get into his kingdom because they didn't do his will. But then they, they, their rebuttal was, but wait. We, we saw, we, we prophesied. We saw miracles. We saw healings. We cast out demons. And he goes, no, no, no. You didn't do any of that. I did that. See, at some point in their walk with God and what they had seen God demonstrating his power, they took as their works. And he says, no, 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 you, you missed something. You, you, see, what they, they, had, they had at this point seen God declare his power. They had declared him as king, Lord, Lord. But were they doing what he asked? Their argument was, yes. Jesus says, no. You were only watching me do what my power does. You never partnered with me. You never came alongside and fulfilled what I'm doing. So you declare as king, go to the next one, and you do what he says. Question mark. See, this is, this is where we have to understand that we've got to grab hold of this understanding that when we see God do what he's done, demonstrate his power by going to the cross and dying as a sinless man, being buried in a grave and resurrecting has nothing to do with you. Just like the children of Israel didn't do anything to earn God coming to them and saying, I'm going to get you out of slavery. I'm going to remove you from that. You did nothing to earn God's salvation. He did it all. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. See, when we, we understand that God's glory is demonstrated to us by his act of salvation to us. We cannot do anything to earn it. We are only seeing God's demonstration of his power. And in response, we declare... Lord, Lord, you are king. Many times we hear this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, given to us, and it stops there. You can't do anything to receive God's salvation, but that's not the climax of this verse. Paul continues on here, and he says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. 
The first covenant shows us the process of walking with God. God demonstrating his power, declaring him as king, and doing what he says. Jesus shows us that it is that you know him and see him demonstrate his power. You see him and declare him as king, and you do what he says. Paul shows us this, that you are to see him in all his glory and what he has done for us, that he died for us, that he wants to be in relationship with us, and that we declare him as king. But it doesn't stop there. It continues with us doing what he says. In uh, Luke, Luke chapter 17, the Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was coming. See here, the whole process of, of this kingdom had been laid out in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, when he said, do what you need to do what I say, it was all given to him in chapter 6, 5 and 6 of the Sermon on the Mount. It's not a secret. It's not an accident. It's descriptive of what a follower of Christ looks like. And in that, his followers come to him and they say, hey, how do we pray the way you prayed? And he says this, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. He's the king. He's the Lord. He's the one that's above all. Look at all his power and all his glory and declare him as king. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does it happen on earth? When we do it. When we do it. I, I love this. In Luke, he says, he says uh, the Pharisees asked when the kingdom of God was coming. In Jesus, God, God's kingdom, replied Jesus, isn't the sort of thing you can watch for and see coming? People won't, won't say, look, here it is. Or, oh, no, over there it is. People aren't going to go, oh, there it is. It's in that church. Oh, no, no, no. It's what that, that worship team is awesome. And that's, that's the kingdom of God's over there. And it's not over here. It's not over there. No, no, no. Guys, you're missing it. He says, it's, oh, it's not over there. It's not over here. No, God's kingdom is within your grasp. It's with you. When you partner with God, that's when it happens. One of my favorite authors is N.T. Wright. And he wrote a great book called uh, Luke for, for Everyone. And it's a great book. Grab it. It's, it's commentary. Walks through each verse. And on this segment of, uh, of Luke, of this verse, he says this. The phrase is more active, meaning that part where the kingdom is in your grasp. It doesn't just tell you where the kingdom is. It tells you that you've got to do something about it. It's within your grasp. It's, it is confronting you with a decision, the decision to believe, trust, and follow Jesus. It isn't the sort of thing that just is just going to happen. Well, if it's God's will, it'll just, it'll be, or... What may be, will be. No. He says, that's not how it happens. That's just something you wait back and watch for. It's, it isn't the sort of thing that's just going to happen. So 
that you can sit back and watch God's sovereign plan to put the world to its right, to its proper place. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is, is waiting for you to sign on. That is the force of what Jesus is saying. I love this picture. Go ahead and grab that, that piece of paper. Join the story. Literally, Jesus is saying here, I'm coming alongside you, and I want to co-write your future. I want to write your story with you, but I need you to partner with me. God's telling us that in this moment, at this time, we are to come alongside and partner with him. To be in this story with him. And he's saying, I want you to write this story with me. So I want you to write this. And this isn't for me. You're never going to turn this in. This is for you. Maybe you can stick it on your calendar or put it on your, uh, uh, on your uh, mirror at home, in your car. I don't care where. But you put on there, this is how I want you to begin it. I will join God's story by. I will join God's story by. This is the beauty of where God is taking us. See, little Maddie is writing her story at a very young age. She's already understood at a level that many of us have missed for a while that being a part of God's story means I serve alongside God. He's, she's got it. But she got it because her daddy got it. So my question to you is, what legacy are you leaving? What story are you writing that's going to impact somebody else's story? What story are, are, you, are you writing down that is going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm coming along and I'm partnering with Jesus, and because I am writing my story, my story will impact somebody else's story. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for, for demonstrating your power to us. Lord, today we declare you as our king. And Lord, we want to do what you say. Lord, we want to come alongside you and, and write our, we want to partner with you and co-write this story with you. We make ourselves available and we sign on to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you may have heard this message and you're at that moment where you've yet to declare, Lord, Lord. You've yet to give him that place of being the king of your life. And this is going to be an opportunity right now for you to make that declaration. For some of you, maybe you've at one time declared, Lord, Lord, and you began to write your story with him. And you, you, you can see back and you can look back at your story and there's some chapters in there that are, man, they are held by God, but the last few chapters gotten a little off track. And that's okay, because today God's demonstrating his power again to you, and his grace is available to you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you our lives because you gave us your life. We want to follow after you with everything we've got. We repent 
and we turn to you and we make you the king of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.